that for an intro song. Yeah. Special thanks to uh, Quinn Hoffmeyer for that intro music. Pretty badass. A good way to start the podcast. All right. Um, yeah, welcome to the Jorge M. Sanchez podcast. I'm thinking of what to brand it. Maybe like JMS podcast. Have my initials on that. Still working the kinks. But uh, yeah, back again. Still 25. A couple of weeks since I turned 25. I know by now you're like, Jorge, stop talking about 25. Nobody cares. But you know what? I care. You know? It's a big moment in my life. It's like, like I said, it's it's quite something. And I had, an, like, on my birthday, like, we had, like, a little get-together. And I had an epiphany. I was like, you know what? It's not so bad after all, you know? Because uh, I had friends over. They played live music. I had friends from my past come over. Family. I was like, you know what? Turning 25, I'm not that bad. You know? It's like... Surrounded by a good support system. Great friends. Comedy's doing okay. Got a web series. So I can't really complain much. But then the next day, it all came crashing down. Like, I've noticed since I turned 25, I've become a lot more grumpier. It's like I walk into a room, and everybody's happy in the room. Like, what the hell's going on? Why are they so fucking happy? You know? I get really grumpy. And it started recently. And a couple days now, since I had this major backache. So, yeah, it's a sign I'm getting really, really old. Uh, But anyway, if you listen to the first podcast episode, which you really should, I've interviewed David Fournier from the band Time Will Decide. And he talked about his friend, who uh, was a great musician, but then he, uh, he got this hyper... I believe it's called hyper acoustic disorder where he becomes so sensitive sensitive listening and uh, eventually he had to quit music which really sucked but I feel you know as a dedication to my friend David for his friend who's now back in Boston I'm deciding to uh, put in this song and this song was the last song recorded by David's friend I think it's a good song and uh, you can even hear David on as the backup vocals. And check it out. Today's guest is Victor Cruz Perez. He's a local comedian here in San Jose. Uh, I think he's one of the top comedians from San Jose. I definitely see him uh, rising to like uh, to stardom. I, I definitely see it. Uh, yeah, this guy's just talented on so many levels, and very smart, smart, smart jokes. Um, check him out, the improv. Uh, all right, so uh, cue the music. Dropping out and thinking, and started off where to begin. No mirror show exactly what you can't see.
All right, internet world, welcome to another episode, episode two of the Jorge M. Sanchez podcast. Today's guest in the studio, well, it's actually, uh, I like to call it the knowledge room because it's full of books and DVDs. We're surrounded by it. But we have Victor Cruz Perez, who's a stand-up comedian from San Jose. He has uh, his own, um, what would you call it? The Square Bear Productions. Oh, yeah, it's just uh, it's a show, monthly showcase at the San Jose Improv. Right, so he produces his own show. Yeah. For some reason, I was going to say, like, your own production. It's a, it's like, a, I guess it could be other things, too, but right now it's just the live stand-up production. Okay, awesome. <laughs> uh, So, Victor, man, comedy. Yeah. Comedy. How long have you been doing it for? Uh, a little over three years. Three years? Yeah, about three years and three months. Wow, you got it to the month. Do you have it to the day? <laughs> yeah, November 15th. That's my anniversary. That's like more important than my birthday, as far as I'm concerned. November 15th? Yeah. Is, is it? Do you think it'll be like more important than your wedding day? It'll be, I don't know, we'll see. I think it will be. Because <laughs> this is going to, it defines the rest of my life. I guess the weddings do too, uh-huh. but then, then, you know. So how long, or how old were you when you started? I was 23. 23? 23. I wish I would have started earlier. Yeah? I would have loved to have started like at 18. Be one of those guys. You know. They just barely turned 21. They'd already been doing it for like two or three years. But no. 23. So how'd you get into it? Um, well, I always liked stand-up. I grew up watching it on TV. Like Friday Night Stand-Up on Comedy Central. And then uh, I think my first real, real exposure to it was my dad took me to go watch the original Kings of Comedy in the movie theater so that was really that was a fun time and then uh when i turned 21 uh, me and my best friend were bored so we went to go we were like what could we do now that we're 21 like we can go drink we can do all these interesting things i was like let's go to a comedy club holy shit we could do that now so we went and it was at rooster tea feathers and it was like their new talent showcase on a wednesday and I fuck, I fell in love with it. I loved seeing it live. It was like a whole other experience. Yeah. And I was like, I could do that. Like I, because I always wanted to be in the entertainment industry in some capacity. Mr. T. Feather is a good room. Yeah, I love that room. Yeah, I, I remember I performed there, and uh, it was I did the Wednesday talent show. Yeah, and it was scary because the first for me that was my first like actual comedy comedy room. Yeah, yeah. And the first that thing, was mine too. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I don't know. It's interesting because I I remember that the bar staff. Didn't look like they were very happy, and I thought it was ironic that they work at a comedy <laughs> venue, but they don't look happy behind the I, bar. You know, they feel like there's always like one or two, like doing the whole room, doesn't it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was weird. they're usually pretty cool, man. I I like the bartender. She's I don't know her name or anything, but she's she's usually pretty nice. Okay, so Wish the Two Feathers was the first place you saw live stand up. And you just like, you yeah, do I it? mean, I saw people bomb, I saw people kill, I saw people just be weird, I, was, I fell in love with it, uh-huh. and so, uh, I was like, alright, I'm gonna be a stand-up comedian, and I talked about it for like a year, I was just telling a couple of my close friends, yeah, I think I, I, think I might do stand-up, and they're like, that's cool, man. So, it took years, like, from the inception of, like, it's, I, I want to do it, to the point where yeah, you actually did it, it took it, years. It took about a year and a half, maybe, no, it took about one year, exactly, and I, uh... In that year, I took public speaking courses, and I took uh, acting classes. At De Anza? Yeah. Did, does De Anza have an acting? Yeah. yeah really? Yeah. I didn't know it's that. a good teacher. Um, 
and I took those. So they kind of introduced me to like improv and stuff like that. I think the public speaking really helped the most. Well, no, I think they were both equal. Yeah. Because it helped me get over my stage fright before I even went up on stage. You know what I mean? If I'm delivering monologues to a class full of people I don't know, it's similar in just going up and saying shit. Yeah. You know, at least I'm saying my own stuff on stage there. I'm like trying to memorize somebody else's writing. <laughs> and then acting, they make you do stupid shit when you're acting in front of the class. Yeah. So you're already kind of getting over that too. Yeah. You know, stupid you're shit. Like a, you, you're <laughs> acting like a tree in front of 20 kids. You're yeah. like, well, they can't get much worse than this yeah. right now. So when I went up the first time, uh, I was on Facebook. I was bored. And uh, I've been going through a lot in life during this time. Like, like what? What's like that? I lost my job. So I was working with my dad. Like I was working like 70 hours a week. Where were you working? I was working with my dad truck driving. And I was working at uh, Pete's Coffee on the weekends. How'd you lose the job? Like, did you get laid well, off? Well, I, I had been working at Starbucks before that. Oh. And I loved working there. Like, I liked it a lot. I loved all my friends who worked there. Like, Starbucks? It was a cool, yeah, it was like a cool little community there. Yeah. I liked it a lot. And uh, and then I got fired because I was late, like, a couple times oh. in a row. I thought it was because you went to the competition. Well, no, I guess no, no, after no, no, you got no, no, fired, no. you went to the competition. Oh, this is way later. Yeah, this is, okay. yeah. So, and so then uh, a lot of my best friends moved away. Like, uh, they moved to college you know, in different cities, and, like, I went from having, like, a bunch of buddies all once to, like, everybody kind of moved away, and then I was alone, and I was working with my dad constantly, day and night, yeah. for very little pay, and then working at, and then I got a job at Pete's, because it was easy to get a job there, since I had been working at Starbucks, and, uh, so I was working, like, 70 hours a week, I had no free time to do anything, but I was, dang, I was always dreaming about doing that stand-up ever since I had seen that show. Were you doing any writing before? Like, were you, like, I don't know... Would yeah, I wanted to. Be, I wanted to just be like a, a screenwriter and like maybe like a cinematographer or something. You know? oh, so already you were like eyeing for the entertainment field. Yeah, I've okay. I've been wanting to be a movie director since I was like a little kid. Like I idolized George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, right. and uh, and so I grew up thinking I want to do that, I want to do that, I want to do that. And then I didn't get into like I didn't even apply to any college. I just kind of started slacking off. Well, my... you, you went to Deans then for community college. Deans is like one of the best. Yeah. Film well, in high school programs. I just started slacking off. And partying a lot, like the last couple of years, yeah. which was fun. It was like the time I loved. You mentioned to me yeah. uh, that that high school years are your best years of your life. Yeah, they were. All, I was getting laid on the regular, going to parties. Really? Yeah. Was, what high school did you go to? Silver Creek High School. Silver. Yeah. Where's that? At? I don't. I don't know. It's where like that's East Side, at. San Jose. East Side. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, it's it was pretty fun. I liked it there. Yeah. Dude, I didn't really get laid in high school. Well, I didn't get laid till late, like senior year. Yeah, I was okay. 17 when I lost my virginity. So you were like the popular kid, or was it just because, you know, no, it was I, a well, thing to do in Silver Well, Creek when I was school. a freshman, I tried to be the popular, because I didn't know anybody in that school. Where right. I was, when I went to middle school, I should have went to YB, which was a kind of a ghetto school. Yerba Buena? Yeah, and uh, my cousin taught at Silver Creek, which is where I went. And so my family pressured me to go to Silver Creek, but I didn't know any of the kids there. So I was like, fuck, you know, I don't want to start all over again. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll join the football team, because on TV, like, all the football players... What, popular kids, you what, know. What grade did you join football? Uh, it was before I started ninth grade, so it was like before I even started at high school. So middle school. Well, in between middle school and okay. ninth grade, I started summer. I, I did football too, but I didn't start till like sophomore year of high school. Okay, well, it was the summer before freshman year, and okay. so these football players were the first people I met, and I was like, I'll I'll become a football player, and that'll be like my way in into popularity. So you were like a jock. Well, I didn't know anything about sports, like. I, I didn't know how to play football. I didn't know what a lineman was. I was completely... 
I just knew I wanted to play football because James Vanderbeek and Varsity Blues played football. <laughs> you know what okay. I mean? Like, I just wanted to be a popular kid. I was just trying to get laid, you know? Yeah. That's all that mattered to me because I was a big nerd growing up. Like, I was kind of like a weird dork. Sorry, I got dad here. Dad's outside and he's trying to get in. But I'm trying to tell him that we're recording a podcast. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm living with my family. And and so on. Um, so you went, so you became a jock to get laid. That's interesting. Yeah, but it didn't really work out because one, I'm not a jock. I'm like a fucking movie nerd, like geek kind of kid, you know. But I was big, so that you know, I got into I got into the team and I got to play a little bit. Were you I was like, mostly a bench warmer? <laughs> a bench warmer? Yeah. My I first was, I was year, in, I was a bench warmer too. Yeah, for the most I was part. in really bad shape when I started. First of all, I didn't know how to play. So, like, every time we would practice, somebody would have to, like, kind of tell me what to do. I didn't even know what my job was on the team. And then, uh, and I wasn't super dedicated like the other kids who had been doing it their whole life. You know, they've been in Pop Warner and all these other little league teams. So, they were already tuned into football. I was kind of like, well, this will make me popular. (laughs) I'm just here for the chicks, man. (laughs) Where do I get my Letterman jacket, you know? Uh. And so, uh, so my freshman year, I was trying really hard to be cool, you know, and I was kicking it with the jocks I had nothing in common with them uh, I joined RLTC which wasn't a cool thing but it was I thought it would be cool and eventually by sophomore year I kind of just realized you know what I, I, I don't really have anything in common with these people and I just started kicking it with my own buddies who I'd made in class so it took me like a year year and a half to like really get to know wait myself. so after a year being in sports you didn't really get to know these people you do, but you have nothing in common. With. Like, I'm trying to talk to them about the new Matrix sequels that are coming out, and they're like, "I don't give a fuck." Did you see the game this Saturday? And I'm like, "I don't, know. I don't even know what season we're on right now. Or is it baseball season?" Matt, like, uh, yeah, Madden. I remember when I was in football, like all the time was about Madden. Yeah, which is ironic because my uncle worked for EA Sports, so I'd get Madden like a month before everybody else would. Oh, really? So yeah, yeah, the hookup. Yeah, and so were uh, you a big gamer too? Uh, I played a lot of single player games. I was kind of a lonely kid. I played like I grew up with PlayStation games, so I figured most people who had N64s had friends they could play with. You know what I mean? Like they'd play Mario Party and 007, and like they'd have their buddies over with four controllers. Yeah. I was the lonely PlayStation kid. I was <laughs> playing Tomb Raider by myself in my room, trying to figure out the naked code. I was playing Metal Gear Solid. Is there a naked code? No, there wasn't. It was an urban myth. It was an urban myth, and you fell for it. it. I fell for it, man. I tried everything. I don't know, man. Like I spent more time. I think early I was, PlayStation graphics. I think you would just seen like a blob for. It's just been a bit of a pyramid with a dark tip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you were the PlayStation guy. Yeah, so I just played like I love Metal Gear. That's like my favorite game of all time. My cousin had Metal Gear and didn't really understand what to do with it. It was a complicated game. <laughs> it right? was, yeah. Because it, it was like stealth. For a, for a little kid? Yeah. 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 Like me, I, I, was, I had N64 when I was a kid. Yeah. So, uh, but I didn't feel like I, I had friends. Like, I didn't have that many. Well, I, I eventually got an N64 after like the price cut and like PlayStation 2 had already come out. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, now I'll get an N64 and I'll catch up on everything. I loved Ocarina of Time. That's like one of the top... What? Five games of all time. Legend of Zelda, The Ocarina of Time. Legend of Zelda. Yeah. You're such a nerd. You're right. Zelda, really? Zelda? Come on. You don't like Zelda? Well, to be fair, I don't play it, so I'm not really into it. Zelda but, is like the... Uh... But like, I worked at, at uh, was it, Fanime here in San Jose. They have a convention mm-hmm. for like gamers and, and 
comic books, I guess. I don't know, but Zelda's like a popular one, so I figured. Yeah, oh, dude, well. Zelda is like established. Zelda, Zelda is like the jock of like the video game. No, it's no? it's the uh, I don't know what to refer to it as. The jock of the video game world would be like Madden or Call of Duty. Oh, you know what I mean? Like those are the bro games. You know what I mean? Okay. Like the Legend of Zelda is like that cool Asian girl who's in anime in your class that you have a crush on. That's Zelda, (laughs) and you have no chance with. No, you have a chance. But you follow her. That's what makes her cool. Is that you might have a chance with her because she's into like personalities. Okay. Uh, talking about Legend of Zelda, I just heard on the news that Netflix might be producing a live-action Zelda. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, man. That's weird. Why? I don't know. How could they... Like, First of it, all, there's no dialogue in Zelda. Like, it's all written. There's no voice acting in Zelda. So, and you just hear little grunts. Just, yeah! You know? But maybe they what do, would, what maybe would Link... They, they'll do it with sign language, maybe? <laughs> I don't know, man. But I just... I don't TV's want, first. I don't want them sign to ruin my image show. of Zelda. You know what I mean? It's just, anyway. Like, if you, if you had to cast Zelda now, who would it be? Hmm, I don't know. Because sometimes Zelda's a kid, sometimes he's an adult. I mean, not Zelda. Link. Link is the main character. Zelda is the princess that you save. Aren't they not the same person? No. Link is is the main guy. And Zelda's the, like the princess, the damsel in distress. Okay. Although so, she could hold her own. So who would you cast Link? Link? Link is a protagonist. I feel I'm like assuming. when Orlando Bloom was first Legolas, like in the first Lord of the Rings movies, he would have been a good adult Link. Legolas, yes. uh, Orlando Bloom. Yeah, yeah. I guess he's already like the. Where, he's already the, an elf. An elf. <laughs> yeah. I could see him being an adult Link. Okay. So okay, and then sports freshman year, you're like, I don't know these guys after a year. Yeah, that's when I lost to a girl in wrestling. <laughs> you were wrestling too. So I joined wrestling because they said all the best football players were wrestlers, and that's kind of true. Like everybody who joined wrestling got super good at football because wrestling's way harder. And so I was like, okay, I'll go And you have wrestling. a better idea how to take down a person, right? Yeah, like, I guess it makes you a better, uh, yeah. I don't know. I was horrible at it, though. I had I was the worst wrestler you've ever seen. I was, Were you a bench warmer um, there, too? No, unfortunately, I wish I was, but... <laughs> <laughs> so they had somebody in my weight class who was really good, so I had to go up several, like, two weight classes. Yeah. And so I was wrestling heavyweights back when I was, like, 190, and I was just getting owned every single month. It was the most humiliating experience. My girlfriend at the time, she wanted... Oh, your girlfriend. Yeah, I had a girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, I'll tell you. Okay, so my freshman year, on paper, I was cool. Right? I had a girlfriend. I played sports and all that. But my girlfriend was a horrible, horrible... <laughs> she, she only liked me because of sp- I was on the football team. Really? Yeah. And then... Uh, and I never even kissed her. Like, it was just girlfriend... I don't know how to How'd describe you guys it. even meet? Like, we were in a class together. She, and was, she's a, like, she, was, she was a year older than me. So I was all like, oh my god. Oh yeah. She's older. You know. But but, she, she, but she's like, I'll get with you because you're in sports. She didn't say it like that. But now that I look back, I'm like, oh, she only liked me because... She wanted I to wear your football. jersey. Yeah, she wanted to wear a jersey on game day and all this bullshit. Wow. So anyway, I was like embarrassed. But when I joined wrestling, I didn't want her to come see me wrestle because I knew I sucked and I looked horrible in those tights. I was not in shape. <laughs> and so uh, I was in my and my dad and I were, were arguing at the time. So he never came because my dad was a huge supporter of my football. Uh, yeah, but he was not supporter. But he wrestling. was not cool with me wrestling. Like he How, well, I forgot why we got into a fight, but he didn't show up to any of the wrestling matches and that it, made it, it harder. Why? Because he wanted like Lucha Libre and not the... <laughs> no, nah, he just, he wanted to, I think he wanted to join the gym with me. 
and I postponed that because yeah. of wrestling, and then that caused that was like a chain of uh, domino effect and other issues. Mm-hmm. So we started arguing about that. So we didn't talk for like three months. Oh wow, you didn't talk to your dad. Yeah, were you living under his roof at no. the time? No. Oh, okay. So, uh, so I, I guess that makes it him. easier. Because I, I I agree with my dad all the time, but unfortunately I live under his roof during high school <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that would be easier if they're out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. You don't have to think about it until they call up again. Yeah. But, but, uh, but wrestling, he didn't come to none of your matches. Yeah. So, the wrestling season was like one of the worst times of my life. I hated it. And you had to wake up hella early to go to tournaments. Yeah. It was disgustingly early in the morning. You know? And so, I, I just... I didn't have the discipline for it. I wasn't that interested in it. Therefore, you got to be passionate about something to be, like, successful at it. And I was, I didn't, I could care less about wrestling. I hated, I hated all the other wrestlers because the wrestlers were like, you know, they were, they're very, it's a very, it's a very focused on yourself sport. Whereas football was like, hey, we're all in this together, man. Wrestlers was more competitive, you know, we're all trying to get in the same weight class, blah, blah, blah. And so it was much more individual. How long were you in wrestling for? Just one season. I played how football. Long, in how high long school. is the season? A few months. It's like during the winter. Okay. So this, I think this is wrestling season right now, or it might just be ending. So I, it would, I would have, I should have been like football, wrestling, baseball. But I ended up doing just football, wrestling. And I was too tired to do baseball. Baseball. And I wish I would have done the wrestling. one sport that you can't really get tired of. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have just done football and baseball because that would have been better. But. Okay. Yeah. See, I remember the first time I went to a wrestling match. I was so disappointed because at the time I was like, I wasn't really into WWF, but like I know what it was. So I assume when someone's like, hey, let's go watch a wrestling match. I thought like people, like guys with muscular guys would come out with like tights or like, you know, or Lucha Libre, like a midget would pop out. Yeah. But but what it is, it's just two guys. Well, I mean, it's a great sport. Don't get me wrong. Just, but as a kid, I was disappointed. I was like, what is this? I, uh, a buddy of mine used to promote Lucha Libre wrestling shows. Backyard? No, they were fucking legit, dude. Really? They were like in the Civic Center downtown. Oh, I've been to a couple of those. Yeah, it was awesome. It was pretty cool. Oh my god, that's awesome. He did that for like a year, year and a half. I forgot how long they did it, but it was pretty exciting. It was crazy because... Like, how we learn how to promote. Like, yeah? Passing out flyers. Well, I'm, I, I remember working those shows because I worked for as an usher. Oh, really? At the time. And like before these guys would put on their, their costumes... They look like average Mexicans. They look like average, <laughs> like... They look like my uncles, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I'm pretty sure one of them is still, like, in, like, Home Depot or landscaping. I don't know. <laughs> but then, once they put on the costume and they do their thing on the ring, it's awesome to watch. Like, very acrobatic. Yeah. They look yeah. out of shape, but they're acrobatic. Well, the guy... I saw, um... Blue Demon versus, uh... What the hell is his name? He wore... So, he's in the WWE now. Um... Ah, I forgot his name, but anyway, he was Sinsara or Sincera, I forgot. But they these guys were in shape, like they were doing all kinds of crazy, like acrobatic stuff, you know. And it was pretty awesome. And they never took off their masks ever. Yeah. Like I remember, we had to drive around the Blue Demon, and he never took off his mask, and he wouldn't drink milk. You drove inside a car with Blue Demon. Yeah. You rode in. Because my car. buddy, my buddy's parents like owned the whole thing. So how was that hanging out with? Uh... These wrestlers. Well, I didn't really talk to them. And they were speaking Spanish, and I couldn't speak Spanish. So, oh, that's right. <laughs> so I was kind of just like, hey, this is awkward. This is the dude with the mask here. And... But yeah, it was fun. Okay. So after wrestling, what happened? And you broke up with your girlfriend at the time? 
Yeah, I broke up with her. Uh, I forget how we broke up, but we broke up. And I was like, this is dumb. And I, I, I joined football the next year, and I tore my ACL and my meniscus. Holy shit. So how did my, that happen? I don't know. I just <laughs> That's the thing. There's nothing that dramatic that happened. I just kind of collapsed on the field. Like in the middle of the game, you tore it on your own. <laughs> it was like, it was like not even during a play. I don't know what, how or when it happened, but it, I think it had been like already done yeah. for some time before I noticed. And then, uh, so I went through that, and my knee was swollen and all this horrible stuff. So then the next year, uh, I thought it was okay. I didn't know how serious of an injury it was. I just I didn't go to the doctors. I didn't have insurance, you yeah. know. So I just left it until like it, once it was not swollen anymore because it was towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, it's fine. So the next season when we were doing varsity, in the middle of the summer, uh, we're practicing and it gives out on me again, and this time it's like even worse. So I had to like completely sit out that year, and I was ba- basically my entire junior year I was just on crutches the entire time. But at least you got that varsity jersey, yeah. Yeah, I got the varsity jersey. I did. <laughs> I got to take the picture. <laughs> There's a silver lining for everything, right? I got a, right? my name on a jersey. Wow. I didn't get the Letterman jacket, though. The only person who wore the Letterman jacket was Curtis Taylor the third. Curtis? The comedian? Yeah. You guys were the same high school? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You guys were the same grade? No, he was older than me. He was like the only kid in school who wore the Letterman jacket. <laughs> That's pretty funny, because he looks, no offense, but he looks young. Yeah, he's like one year older than me, I think. Really? How, how old are you? I'm 26. 26. So he's 27. Yeah. When I, I saw him, he looked like he's like 20. Well, because he's... Well, like... he's black, so black don't crack, <laughs> right? I mean, but then well, again, yeah, that, Plus, he says he like, keeps himself healthy, so he doesn't look old, you know? And he dresses really nice, so what was all sloppy. You know? What was his position in football? Well, he didn't play football. So why He played like... basketball, so he had the varsity jacket because of basketball. He was like a popular basketball. I didn't really talk to him in high school. Because one, he was older, and two, we just didn't hang out in the same crowds. But he was, I remember him, he dressed up as Andre Benjamin, you know, Puff Daddy's Umbrella Man. Yeah. Yeah, he dressed up as that. He still does that. Yeah, <laughs> and he was the perfect Andre Benjamin. It was hilarious. I remember thinking, that guy's hilarious, but I didn't know him. And the only time I really interacted with him was at a party when we were seniors. Mm-hmm. He must have already been out of high school, I think. And he was drunk off his ass. And he had thrown it. He's going to be mad if I'm mentioning this, but well, <laughs> it was a funny experience. Well, everybody gets drunk and, yeah, and vomits in too. high school. Yeah, yeah. But I just saw him, like, uh, crawling uh, on the ground drunk. <laughs> crying I, or crawling? I was like, hey, there's that guy that was Andre Benjamin two years ago. Can, oh, wow. Uh, and I mean, not Andre how, Benjamin. how was it when you guys met, but this time in the comedy world? I keep seeing Andre Benjamin. I mean, Mr. Bentley. Mr. Bentley. I have no, I keep, I've I have no idea who they are. You can... Okay, Andre Benjamin is, is Andre 2000. I keep mixing him up. Mr. Bentley. Mr. Bentley. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, it, that's fascinating that you guys went to the same high school. Was it awkward when you guys first met? Like, No, he was there the very first time uh, I did my open mic. He was really? there. Yeah, so my, another friend of ours who, who was in my grade named Martin Arms, uh, Martin Jordan. Martin Jordan? Uh, he, he rapped and he did comedy too. And so he was hosting an open mic at Decline in Sunnyvale. And uh, they were co-hosting it together. So when I went there, he invited me on Facebook. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do comedy for the first time. And I had, I had like a little set list prepared, you know? Yeah. And it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing. So I went, and I was all excited and shit. And when I went there, I noticed Curtis. And I was like, oh, shit, that's a dude from high school. And I couldn't remember his name. I was like, what's his name? I think it was... I, I couldn't remember what his name was. And then, luckily, he went up to me so they... Said, oh, Curtis Taylor, and so I was like, Oh, that was his name. Cool. 
But when you actually met him, you're like, hey, we went to the same high school. Yeah, I forgot how... Did, did he even recognize you? To be honest, I don't remember. You don't remember? I don't remember, yeah. You guys were both probably drunk and crawling. No, I wasn't drunk. I had, uh, I had two beers before I went up, and that's all yeah. I wanted. It was just two beers. I didn't want to like forget my lines. Actually, uh, my jokes. the first time I did stand-up, I was told to not drink before you go up. It's probably better, yeah. Is it? I, yeah, it's better to not get into that habit. I've only performed once drunk, and it was the worst set. I've performed several times drunk, and the problem is drunk, to me, drunk makes you feel... To, if you drink the right amount, it's almost like a performance enhancer, because you're uninhibited, right? and so you're a little bit more... Right. Depending on what kind of comedian that you are, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. But you're more uh, cartoonish, you're more uh, physical. And so, at least I am anyway. And But if you get a little too drunk, that then now you're slurring your words, you know? Well, I was at, lines. I know? wasn't tipsy. I was at the point where I was drunk. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think if you're tipsy, you should be okay, right? But, like, I remember I did it at Frascati, and I just remember seeing, like, people's faces and they're like who's this guy and i don't understand what he's saying yeah yeah he's i yeah funny. it's not a good idea i mean especially if it's a place you go to a lot and there's a <laughs> bunch of regulars yeah they're gonna be like, well there's that guy who was drunk last week you know <laughs> but uh but i've been drunk several times on stage and i've been buzzed and i've been sober sober to me is the scariest sober scariest sober scary i'm getting used to it now but for a while i would have to have like two drinks before i went on stage yeah, which sucks because you don't want to fall into that. So now I'm starting to get normal again, but I always got to be like at battle with myself. Don't drink before you go up on stage. Like, drink as a reward <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, that's how I look at it too. Yeah, because when I host at the Improv, like most of the guys who I host for, they don't drink before they go up on stage. They don't even eat before they go up. On these stage. are the professionals, right? Yeah, these guys because they're up there for a long time, you know. And you opened up for some really big guys. Like, I, I saw you open up for Harlan? Yeah, I opened for Harlan Williams. Harlan Williams, ago. yeah. Yeah, he was Who, really cool. Who's, like, the top that you feel like you opened, like, you're happy that you opened for? I liked all of them. Um, well, the first, okay, I'll tell you the first person I ever opened up for. I had only been doing comedy for, like, two months, right? <laughs> two and months? So, you're already yeah. opening at the Improv? No, no, this oh. is not at the Improv. So I'll talk about Improv, though. No, 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 no. So, okay. So what happened was I had been doing a few open mics and then I performed once at Rooster Tea Feathers. Okay. okay. And I was still very new. I still only had like seven minutes of material, if that. I, seven minutes? Seven minutes was stretching it. Like it really, yeah. it should have been like five, <laughs> four maybe. And so uh, and so my my uncle, the one who worked for EA, uh, he saw, I re- recorded my Rooster Tea Feathers performance and I put it on YouTube and then I showed it on facebook you know just, oh, so confident yeah. already man. <laughs> and i know i should have waited because now like i'm showing people early versions of my shitty jokes so my uncle sees that and he's like hey you're a comedian i go yeah he goes you want to meet sinbad and i go what sinbad and he goes yeah we have the same doctor like we know each other <laughs> same doctor. right right and i was like what well, i grew up watching this dude on like movies and shit you know right so i'm like that's awesome you know so he goes okay uh tomorrow um keep your phone on sinbad's gonna hit you up I'm like, okay. Oh, shit. So the next day, I get a text from Sinbad. And he's like, hey, I'm performing in Santa Cruz tonight. You want to come through? Like, I'll get you in for free. And I was like, yeah, holy shit, you know? So I go to Santa Cruz, and I'm waiting outside the real theater in Santa Cruz. It's like a big theater. It seats like 700, 800 people. And uh, 
And finally, then Sinbad shows up in an SUV, comes out, and he's dressed all slick and shit. The real thing. Yeah, Sin- the real he's Sinbad. super tall. I didn't realize how tall he was. He looks like he could be like an NBA player. He's really tall. So he's like, hey, you're Sandy's nephew. I'm like, yeah. I was like, all right, cool. And so he brings me inside, and we, they're like, you know, treating him VIP, and they're showing him the green room, and it's super nice, and they got all kinds of food out for him. And he's looking at it. He's like, he's all used to it. And he's like, whatever. And I'm, I'm like starstruck. I'm like, oh, whoa, this is cool. We're backstage and we're in the green room. And, you know, this is so cool. And uh, I see, and I, you, oh, the green room overlooks the entire theater. So you can see the entire theater and you can see the stage. And I'm like, whoa, that's fucking awesome. Was there like a glass window? Yeah. And okay. so there's like, you, you could, it used to be an old movie theater. So with the glass window, so with the green room. Oh, it was room, the projector. Yeah. So where the, oh, green room, where the green room is, is where. The, the projector, projector would booth. be, yeah. Right, okay. It's a huge, big, old school, old timey theater, and so, uh, so he goes, "So, how many minutes you got?" And I'm like, "Uh, like seven. He's like, "All right, you're going up tonight." I go, "What?" And he's <laughs> like, "You're going up. He put you up before me." And I was like, "Holy fuck! I'm, you know, I'm freaking out because I, I literally only been doing this for like two, three months." Was this sold out show? Yeah, it was oh, packed. Wow. Right? And so uh, Robin C., she goes up first, and she's really funny. Like She does a lot of like impressions of Simpsons characters and stuff like that. She's really cool. And so she goes up, she's hosting it, and then she brings me up. And I go up, and it's like, I tell my first joke, and it hits, and it's like thunderous laughter like I'd never experienced before oh, in my man. life. Yeah. You know, because I'm pretty used to performing in front of bars, in front of like five <laughs> drunk people half paying attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm performing and there's hundreds of people that are laughing at shit that I just thought up on the sh- in the shower. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. It felt like a movie. And so I did well and everybody was clapping and I'm like, I get off the stage and I recorded it. I had like my, I had a photo camera that, that did video too. So I recorded that and it was like a really shitty angle, you know? And I got... Well, you recorded yourself while on stage with your hand or you had no, to... No, I, I set it up. Okay. Before I walked out. So it's like a really bad angle. But at least you get to hear the laughter, you know? Right. And so, uh, and then Sinbad goes up for like an hour, hour and a half after me. And I'm just like high on life. I'm calling my parents. They're all excited, you know? They're like, oh, you open for Sinbad? What the hell? You know? We took you to go watch Sinbad movies growing up. Yeah. So I'm just like, after that night, I was like, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Like, that experience, people get paid to do that. Like, I would pay to do that. Mm -hmm. And people are getting paid to do it. And then we ate, we, he took me to go eat sushi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he took me to go eat sushi. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, sushi I ate, so I'm eating sushi with Sinbad, and we, he buys the entire sushi restaurant. Like, he just buys every type of sushi. We eat each type of sushi that they had. What year was this? This was in 2012. I mean, he's still rolling in dough, like, that much? I guess so, man. I figured, I figured he's, like, a has-been. I mean, is he still like? He's pretty much a comedian, right? So he's he's a yeah. Comic? He's still fucking awesome though. Like he's he he's his like uh, off the top shit is ridiculous. Like he'll he'll part of his set was he would say, all right, who needs some inf- advice for Sinbad? And people would throw out like, hey, how come my wife does this? And then he'll have like a ten minute bit. Oh my god! Talking about that, you know, just improv, boom, 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 boom. Like he's, he's that's amazing. amazing live. Yeah, wow. so he's still. Hell of a performer, you know what I mean? Hell of a crowd worker. Yeah, like he's really good. I get nervous when people kind of like when I do crowd work. I do I get nervous because it's like yeah, me too. The crowd work to me is scary because when you because when I 
I'm not naturally funny. I don't think. I, I feel like I'm funny around certain people I'm comfortable with. I don't think I'm funny either. <laughs> like I'm funny around people I get along with and people I don't really care what their opinions are. Like I'll yeah. then I'll be funny. But I'm kind of nervous in a lot of social situations and I'll stay quiet. And so some people are just the life of the party and those guys are usually like really good at crowd work. Like my dad, my dad always wanted to be a comedian. And I feel like if my dad had became a comedian, he would have been the crowd work guy for sure. Like just constantly messing with the crowd all the time. But me, I'm like, okay, I need to write at home. <laughs> I can constantly memorize everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm starting to I'm yeah. starting to get used to doing crowd work, but right. I very much stick to the script yeah. most of the time. It takes me like a month to like just one sentence that I think is funny. It takes me a month to get there. I it, it depends like that word bit I have it took a long time to memorize. And then and not just memorize it but trying to work on like the timing, like what parts really hit. What parts do I pause, you know? Okay, wow. First first opener, Sinbad. <laughs> yeah, so, and then Sinbad. So I'm working at the improv as a dishwasher at the time. And I barely uh, told my manager, this really cool dude. I told him, I'm like, uh, I, I, you know, I've been doing open mics for the last few weeks. And I was uh, I was wondering, like, what, what's the process to get on stage here? He's like, oh, you do comedy? I go, yeah. It was all great. It's always good having a comedian on staff in case somebody doesn't show up. We'll throw you up on stage. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. But did you tell him that you opened up for Sinbad? No, this is before that. Oh. This is when I first started like, okay. doing stand-up. And I was just kind of working up the nerve of town. So then when I opened up for Sinbad, uh, Sinbad calls up my manager at the improv. Oh, snap. And was like, Jim, you better put Victor up on stage. This is my boy right here. He like gave me like you know his approval. And ever since then, I started getting regular work there. Wow. Yeah. Sinbad is like... <laughs> so thanks to my uncle knowing Sinbad and my uncle hooking me up with meeting him and then Sinbad hooking me up on stage and then Sinbad hooking me up on the improv. Do you still keep in touch? No. I have his number. I'm sure it's not his number anymore. But I'm so scared. Like, it's weird having it in my phone. I never deleted it. You know, it's saved on my Google contacts. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm scared one night I'm going to get super drunk and just start texting <laughs> Sinbad. Yo, Sinbad. Like, Yo, Sinbad. Remember when we got sushi? He's going to be like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> wow. And it, and at what point, and this was like not even a year in, right? This is months in, yeah. This, this is months in. Yeah. And, and I did not deserve any of that. And I think a lot uh, of people... Don't say that. Of course you do. No, I mean, it was basically I mean, I mean sure, you know the, the opportunities were ideal, like, at the time for you. Like, I'm just glad I had... It was in your favor. My seven minutes set. Like, that was just glad I had seven, minute, seven minutes to perform. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if I hadn't memorized anything yet, and I just went up there and winged it, that would have been terrifying. But since I, I felt pretty confident in my jokes... Let me tell you what, though. In that position, you would have... You've done a better job than I would have, for sure. Uh, a couple months in, you probably you probably met me when I was a couple months in. I was I was shitty caravan. I bomb, I still bomb all the time at the caravan, but no, dude. I think the world deserves. I think you're one of the most. I think your level of stand up comedy in San Jose is definitely up there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I feel like you know. I feel like people who just take it seriously are the ones who really excel. You know, I don't think it's it, it's well, it, sometimes it's the naturally talented guys. But I think the more important is just the people who are really into it and they don't care if they suck. They just love doing it. They're the ones who eventually get super good because they do it every night, every time they have the opportunity to do it. I find it fascinating. The way you look at things is actually very intellectual. When you do your bits, like the word bit, I see Carlin, but not in a bad way. I'm not saying you're hacky, but it's more like, yeah, like like you're at that level where you're not just doing jokes to be funny, but you're doing jokes to make a point. 
Yeah, well, I'm still experimenting with stuff. So, like, you know, first I was just writing about my life and a lot of self-deprecating things. And I was getting called out on that by certain other comedians. Really? Uh, yeah, they were like, you're only doing self-deprecating shit. And I was like, well, that's all I wanted to do. <laughs> and they're like... I, I, I've been hating myself yeah. this whole time. And so I was like, okay, well, what else interests me? You know, like, what... And I love work... Because before I got into stand-up, I used to want to be a rapper. Right? I used to, like, try to be a hold rapper, on, like, hardcore. On. First, I want to be a, a movie director. Then you yeah. want to be a rapper. Well, I always wanted to be a movie director. That's never... That's still not Do gone. you still want to be a movie director? I still want to be a movie Yeah, okay. I still... That's... Even if it's just indie movies that nobody ever sees, I, I feel like it's something I just got to do. You know what I mean? Got it. But, um... And then you want to be a rapper. So the rapper thing, I didn't really want to be a rapper. It was more like... You also went through... I went through a rapper phase. And <laughs> I think a lot of comedians did. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in our generation. But... Yeah. But what happened was my buddy used to make beats. He was, he was, he was producing stuff. And he needed somebody to rap over him. And so he was like, why don't you do it? And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> All right, you know. What kind of rap lyrics were they? Were they like... I, was, I was trying to be like Lupe Fiasco. I love Lupe Fiasco. He's like my favorite rapper. You know, him, Eminem, and Kendrick. But Kendrick's kind of new, so I didn't know. Kendrick I was trying to be like Weird Al. Well, I was rapping, and I really loved the writing. I, I The sound of my voice sucked, but the writing part, I felt like I, was, I could have been good if I had put some thought into it, you know, some more work into it. But... Uh, I love the wordplay stuff, so that's why now that I'm in comedy, I still like to implement wordplay. So I like it when things rhyme. I like the symmetry of the joke. Okay. You know, how how many years in do you decide? You know what? I'm gonna produce my own show at the Improv. Well, I had I had that. So when I first started, when I when I saw stand up at Roosters, and I decided I want to be a comedian. Um, I spent that year writing and taking classes. You know, taking acting and public speaking classes and. I was kind of like... Which lost. acting does help, actually, yeah, for stand-up. Yeah, And I was kind of lost, you know. I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know what my plan was. I was like, one of these days, I'll, I'll attempt to do it. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't know where the open mics were or nothing like that. And so, uh, I, was, I had uh, quit Pete's um, because I was just exhausted from working like 70 hours a week. And my dad's job slowed down significantly. So then I didn't have anything for a while. And I was kind of like, oh, shit, I'm just like... Unemployed, have, unemployed, living at home, broke. Yeah, can't even kick it with my buddies because like I don't have money to do it. That's my story right now. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm looking through Craigslist trying to find a job, and I see that the Improv was hiring dishwashers, and I was like, "Fuck, I don't want to be a dishwasher, but it's the Improv," you yeah. know. So when I got a job there, I was like, "Okay, maybe if I, maybe if I." Uh, dad just walked in, uh, so it's a little awkward now. <laughs> it's very awkward. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with my dad hovering behind you? I don't know. Okay. Oh, shit, I should probably write this down. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you're okay? We could stop it. We could stop for a second. No, no, I'm going. It's okay. <laughs> We're doing it. All right, so, uh, so you got a dishwashing job at the Improv. Yeah, so I got this, and I figured that would be like my way in, I thought, you know, like, Oh, I'll get to know like I get first of all you get to watch the comedians for free at the improv. So like the improv gets some big names out there. You know, I got to see Bill Burr for free. Bill Burr. Yeah, I got to watch wow. Bill Burr for free, you know, five times a week in, like in one weekend. Just I just got to see him work on material and shit. It was awesome. Like it was it was pretty cool. And I got to see all kinds of really good comedians. Uh the guys I'd grown up watching on TV, I got to watch them for free on my breaks, you know. And then the dishwasher job was mostly like a lot of work in the beginning, a lot of work at the end. So in the middle, I got to just go watch 
so it was like my comedy college I was like watching these comedians seeing how they did it you know uh but yeah so I started get, I get to know like the promoters see which ones you know see how they did things they started putting me on my shows because they knew me as the guy who oh that was the dishwasher at the improv we'll put him on my show you know so you were dishwashing at the improv and on your breaks you got to see these great comedians and that's pretty much where you learned a lot yeah I got just to by learn, observing yeah just observing watching the comedians being like alright well that's how they deal with hecklers there you know it was fun working there and so I got to know the promoters I got to see how they promoted got to know the managers and I think that was the whole reason why I got that was that is the whole reason why I got the promoting job uh, and then you started your production yeah Square Bear Productions. Yes. Where'd you get the idea of that? I don't know. I just like... I, I used to, Some girl used to call me Square Bear when I was in high school. Some chola chick, you know, and I was kind of a nerd, so she would call me Square Bear. So that always kind of just stood in my head. And I could picture like a Square Bear like logo in my... I, I don't know why. I just like the way that sounded. Square Bear Productions. So I chose that. Yeah. Okay. And plus I'm like, you know, being kind of a nerdy dude, I kind of wanted that to be... I wanted to own it. Square Bear. I think it feels good to have your own like comedy production, but at the same time, maybe it could be a little annoying since you got so many comedians coming at you asking for a spot. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to do it, it's basically a bringer show, but I don't make anybody bring. You know what I mean? Because I hated doing bringer shows. Uh, they're very. There's a lot of pressure on trying to bring you know ten or twenty people. Can you explain a bringer show for the? A bringer show is when a promoter. Uh, puts on a show and books a bunch of comedians and has them bring a certain amount of people, 10 to 20 people or whatever. That way it fills up the crowd. So it's not really about this guy's funny. It's more about like, this guy has a lot of friends. Yeah, so that's my problem. I mean, if you do it, and that's that's cool. I'm not trying to badmouth anybody. But but that's common. But that, I, I, I hated doing bringer shows because you're more focused on bringing people than you are in bringing the funny. Right. You know, and I felt like, I feel like it ultimately it, it hurts our industry because... You're bringing all these people to a comedy show, and the incentive of the promoter is to book new comedians because they can still get their friends out. Right. You know, their friends and family. So then they're coming to the show, they're watching a bunch of new comedians who aren't that funny. They're thinking, eh, stand up comedy ain't my bag. So they stop coming to shows. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't fall in love with stand up comedy because they're watching a bunch of amateurs who shouldn't be on stage. You know what I mean? But I understand why bringer shows exist. Okay. And, um,. Alright, second time, Dad walks in. What, what would you like? What, he's pointing, what are you pointing at? At, at the wine, you want wine. Here, you, you can take it outside, please. What you want more? Yeah, that, it's okay, Dad. More? Dad, we're recording live. This is being recorded right now. Okay. <laughs> and he's walking out. Can you please close the door completely? Yeah, man, living with your parents sucks. No privacy right here. Trying to be all professional here. And it's like, no, he wants wine. The wine happens to be in this room. What are you going to do? <laughs> exactly. I uh, don't have the money to move out. Anyway, so uh, where were we at? I forgot, to be honest with you. Oh, bringer shows. Oh, yeah, bringer shows, yeah. So I don't make anybody bring because... I hated doing them, so I'm yeah, not going to become and, what I hated. And you mentioned that it hurts the industry. I, I, I in some level, I agree because, uh, like you said, like bringer shows kind of brings in the new comedians. Yeah. Who are not really. I I'd rather book people I love, like somebody I genuinely think is funny. And I know they're not going to be able to bring anybody out because 
They've been doing it for years, and their friends right. and family are sick of seeing them. You know what I mean? But I still think that they're the best possible person to put on the show. So I'm going to book somebody who's funny, and not somebody who's just new and can bring a lot of people. Funny and refined. Yeah, and I'll promote the show myself, or I'll hire other people to do it for me. Like, It's just part of the overhead. Yeah. You know, it's part of whatever. You know, if it takes me a couple hundred bucks to promote the show, then so be it. You know, as long as I break even, I'm happy. I'm not really doing it to... I didn't, I didn't become a promoter to really make money. Like, it's nice if I make some, but most of the time I break even. Most of the time I just... Uh, I'm happy to just network with new comedians. Having, a, having your own show definitely helps out, especially if you're a beginner. Yeah. You know, I'm only a few years into it, so... Having a show at the Improv really helps me network and get to know other people. I can't really compare, but I have my I produce my own open mic. Mm-hmm. It's not a showcase, or yeah, but it has helped me a lot. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, I think people who run any room at all it doesn't have to be at, at a club. It could yeah. be at a bar, cafe, whatever. Definitely, it helps. First of all, because you're a lot of times you're hosting, right? And yeah. that doing that definitely helps uh, you think of material and helps you get to get used to crowd work and just be comfortable on stage. And so, and plus uh, networking, just getting to know people from San Francisco, getting to know people from Oakland, getting to know people from Sacramento, Santa Cruz. I I didn't fully realize how big the comedy scene, like starting out, I knew that San Jose had a small comedy scene. And I, but I I did not realize it's kind of big to what I thought. Like initially I thought it was like a couple people. But then when I started out, I saw like you performing, and I saw Curtis, and I saw then the usual crowd. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, Dick. A lot of people will start in San Jose and then they'll move to Oakland or San Francisco. You know what I mean? Like I hear these days a lot of comedians are moving from SF to Oakland. Yeah, because SF is getting gentrified, and so gentrification. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, dude. Like because of the tech boom, and you got a bunch of tech bros going on. So a lot of people, a lot of the artistic. I, type I thought people, I thought minorities were being pushed out because of gentrification. I didn't know comedians as well. Well, comedians are a lot of times are minorities, or they're just you know. If, I think minorities a lot of times become. There's a lot of minority comedians because there's a lot of pain that they have to go through, right. so that makes them funny. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a minority person. So there's a lot of artistic type people. Who were happy living the simple lives that they had, yeah. but they're being forced out of their their neighborhoods because their rent skyrocketed beyond measure. But you know what? Pretty soon, I think a similar pattern is going to happen in San Jose. Actually, it is. It already, already it's already happening. It's already San happening San in San Jose. Yeah. Where uh, San Jose is one of the most expensive cities to live in, but there's not that much to do. It's not that cool. It's just got all tech companies here. Yeah, you know, and they know they can charge that much because they know people will pay. Exactly. And, and, and there's a, a big immigration of tech companies, and which you know are making housing more expensive, and I. I That's I, why both of every us, couple months I know somebody who knows somebody or that person themselves, their family moves to like in the Central yeah, Valley, Modesto or Modesto, some shit like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. That's why most, me and you are both living with our parents right now because it's impossible to live on your own now I mean it's, it is possible it's not impossible I have friends that live on their own oh, yeah, you but be... they have to work non-stop exactly it's their entire life and I don't want to make my job I want stand-up comedy to be my job you know right. what I mean so it's kind of like taking a risk there <laughs> and uh, going back to your show though like do you find it do a lot of comedians approach you to get a spot or do you kind of tap their shoulders be like hey you want yeah well I usually I, I usually book the shows before I announce that the shows are happening that way okay. I could 
if somebody hits me up, I'd be like, well, this one's already full, but maybe the next one. You know, because I already, I already have in mind people I want to book before I even announce the show's coming out. You know, people, it's like a lot of guys who I don't get to see perform at the improv a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, or a lot of guys who I feel like, oh man, this guy would kill at a club. You know what I mean? Like, he, you see him doing well at a bar, you're like, imagine him at the comedy club where people actually come to pay to see him. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to put him in that situation. And it feels good to be the guy that puts him in that situation. Yeah. Because I loved being put in that situation when I was, you know, I'm still coming to <laughs> When fucking Sinbad comes to town. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, that's different, but yeah, it's it's cool to, to book guys I really enjoy instead of just guys who will bring people, right. you know. Um, who were your influences starting out? Growing up, I was obsessed with Jim Carrey. Like, I love... Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey, yeah. Jim Carrey is... I didn't really think of him as, like, a stand-up comedian. I know he did stand-up, but he was just a comedian. When I was growing up, there was just comedians. They weren't regulated to, like, stand-up comedy or improv comedy or sketch comedy whatever they were just comedians funny people so i was obsessed with jim carrey i was obsessed with mike myers i was obsessed with will smith even though like he's not like a comedian and comedian but he was hilarious on fresh prince of bel-air so Mm -hmm. i really liked him on that uh i really liked chris farley and then uh later on when i got older i started watching a lot of stand-up i really liked uh ted alexandro who's from i think he's from new york i'm not sure he's a new york comic that guy's hilarious, man. He, he really influenced me. Um, Kevin James, I've only seen his one stand-up special, Sweat the Small Stuff, but that had a big effect on me. Why? I don't know. I just liked the way he was on stage. He was, like, funny. He was, you know, he's fat, but he, you know, he owns it. You know, he's kind of <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just, I, I saw myself in him. And so... Uh, Were you fat at the time or something? You know, I thought I was fat, but then now I look back, I'm like, I wasn't fat. I was just fatter than the average kid. Because I was watching this when I was in school, you know, I was like right. middle school or whatever. So, in middle school, I was considered fat, but now I look back, I'm like, I was fine. Like, I wasn't fat. I did, Going to school with a bunch of, like, Asians and Mexican kids, everybody's really small. Yeah. And I've been this size since I was, like, 12. So, I was always, like, the huge kid in class. So, I pictured myself being fat, but really, I wasn't that fat. Okay. Not until later. So and the Kevin James, like, he's one of us. Yeah, I really like Kevin James. And then uh, uh, Dave Attell, I love Dave Attell. Dave Attell. Yeah, I had I had, it was before this was before I had discovered Carlin, Louis C.K., Bill Burr. You know, I was more watching like Mitch Hedberg and uh, Louis Black and uh, guys like that. You know, and then uh, at some point, um, I remember it was it was before Carlin died, but I was watching. Carlin on TV with a buddy, and I didn't really know who he was. I just knew him as Rufus from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. You know, I was like, "Oh, that's Rufus," and people were like, "That's fucking George Carlin, dude. You don't know who George Carlin is?" And I'm like, I don't. "This is back when I was in high school." And I was like, "I don't really know him that well, you know." And so I got into him through this friend, and I got, I was like, "Oh my god, this guy's a genius! Like, how have I gone throughout life not knowing who this was?" You know? Yeah. And and so. Uh, it was really fun. It, like I felt like I just ingested all his comedy at once. Yeah. Like I got to watch all the decades at once. It was like somebody who had never seen Star Wars before, just being able to watch all of them at once. Like that's right. how I got to watch George Carlin specials, HBO specials. Yeah. And Carlin, that. dude, Carlin, again, he's like a whole different level. And you put it best. You said that Carlin's funny in three dimensions. Yeah, right? fun- Carlin. Here's the thing about comedy. I feel like this is just my own little thing. You know. Carlin, you could listen to him on tape, 
and he'll make you laugh out loud, you know? Yeah. And you could read what he's saying in a book, and you're laughing. You could watch him on TV and put on mute, and you're still laughing because of the way he's performing. Right. It's like he's making you laugh on several different levels. Yeah. You know? And you're a great comedian if you can make people laugh on two levels, but he's making people laugh on several, like, three different levels, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. And I loved how he's been every single type of comedian. Like, he's been, like, the... The uh, the one-liner guy, he's been an impressionist, he's been the political guy, he's been the absurdist, you know, he's been the uh, the observer, you know, the observational. So you believe there's like a sense of evolution in a comedian? Uh, I, well, I don't know. I feel like some comedians, maybe there was for him, definitely. Uh, some guys find themselves right away, you know, they just know exactly what they're going to be like and they you can tell, you can see their character as soon as you see them, like... But some guys, they do definitely evolve. Right. You know, I'm starting to see that now, just being in comedy. Like, I'm evolving a little bit, you know. Uh, I'm still very new, so it's... I don't know what I'm going to end up being. Like, all this wordplay shit that I have in my act is is less than a year old, you know. How, how were, how were your, your jokes when you first started it and your jokes now? Like, what would you say is, like, the main... I still use a lot of the same jokes I did when I first started. I just, you know, perfected them, edited them find out where to pause and what what kind of facial expression to make during this line and you know and uh, I don't know I just feel like I'm taking it easier on stage when I first started I want to be like Chris Rock where he he would pace around the stage a lot mm-hmm. and I was like I want to do that I like that you know and so I would try to force that in my set but it didn't seem natural for me at the time so now I kind of just stand still and I, I'll move around a little bit but I'm not consciously trying to move around the stage a lot like he was just little things like that you know you learn little things here and there the more you do it cool so what are you doing now like what's your I know you do comedy you're still working at a cafe which yeah. is cool which which, <laughs> which uh, I read a Facebook post of yours where you're like someone recognized you yeah I've been recognized from... in a lot of like the most inconvenient places like <laughs> I've been recognized by the bus driver as I'm going on a bus. <laughs> How was that? It was. She was like, "Hey, like, did you get a free ride?" No. <laughs> <laughs> I got on, and she's just like, "Hey, are you a comedian?" I'm like, uh, "Yeah." She's like, "Oh, I saw you open for. I think I was opening for like Doug Stanhope or something." No, it was a. Uh, you opened up for Doug Stanhope? Yeah. How was that? That's awesome. Yeah, well, that's another reason why I got recognized was because most of the time I get recognized because Doug Stanhope. Because a lot of people, he, you know, he's got a great fan base. They all go to his shows. They all, like... Did you open up his latest one? Where he was here a couple no, months ago. No, 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 no. I just went to go watch it. I didn't open up for him, though. Oh. But, um... Wait, she recognized you from the crowd? No, she actually... The bus driver recognized me from different ones. I got recognized at the flea market. For doing Doug Stanhope, <laughs> really? And, yeah, and I was at the flea market. I don't think was, Latinos would be a, a big demographic for Doug Stanhope. I can't remember. If, I think they were. They might have been white. I don't know. But they were like, "Hey, we saw you open for Stanhope." I was like, "Oh shit!" That was like the very first time anybody ever recognized me. And then, uh, uh, I think this woman she had she'd seen. I forgot who she saw me. Maybe Daphne. I forgot. But and she was like, "Yeah, we follow you on Facebook now." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I know who she is." And I recognized, you know. But it was just funny because I'm getting on the bus, you know, like the 23 to go visit my dad. Like, yeah. I don't even drive. And then another time was uh, serving this guy coffee. He recognized me. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, well, that's cool, you know, but it's kind of funny. Did, did he tip you? 
more than the usual? I don't know. I don't remember. I can't remember. See, comedians, man. If we were like musicians or artists or or any other level of, of art form, like you would have totally gotten that bus for free. I'm positive. But <laughs> well, it was already it was actually already had already paid, and I had my Clipper card, so it was just like, oh. And then that's when she was like, "Hey, I know you from somewhere." Yeah, but <laughs> it's funny. Uh, but Doug Stanhope, wow. Yeah, that's that pretty was really crazy. Cool. That was uh, I was like, uh, that was when I was working as a dishwasher there, and uh, I I tried to get the day off to watch him, and I was I just wanted to go watch him, without working, and then so I asked the manager, I go, "Hey, is it cool if I get this day off?" He goes, "Yeah, fine, that's that's fine, whatever." So then the day of, I wake up all hungover from the night before, and I get a text from my manager saying, hey, you want to open for him? Like, that day. And I was like, fuck, yes, I want to open for him. So he goes, all right, but one catch, you have to work dishwashing as you open for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, so I'm washing dishes. I, I, I run to go, hey, everybody, welcome to the improv. All right, we're going to have a good show. I do my set. I introduce the first comic. Then I go back and I'm washing more dishes. I'm washing oh my god! I'm washing dishes for 15 minutes. Then I go back outside. All right, that was so and so. Okay, did, now your next. Did you comic. take like a like dishes not with you? <laughs> like, no, but I was all wet. I was, <laughs> I was all wet. Like you could totally see the water on me. And so when uh, when I called up Doug Stanhope, I had told him that I was washing dishes at the same time. And so he goes, "All right, everybody, give it up for Victor. Not only is he making you laugh, but he's washing your dishes." <laughs> <laughs> he let oh. everybody know in the audience and sold out crowd. That's fucking yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was funny, dude. It was good. Oh my good god! Time. Uh, you mentioned Dat Fam, right? Yeah, Dat Fam. Yeah. What happened this to is, that guy? It's actually I, almost exactly a year ago I opened for him. Oh, so you still uh, okay? Because I I saw him like years ago on a comedy hour. Comedy hour. Like after funny. he won uh, last. Last comic standing. Yeah, he got like a special. Yeah, and after that, I, I never heard of him again. Yeah, he does. He, he's working like he does like acting jobs here and there. I don't know exactly what he does. And he, he's a, he plays the Asian comic, right? Like I don't know. I haven't seen too much stuff with him in it, but you're Latino, right? Yeah, you're like Mexican, American, Mexican, yes. Mexican and Puerto Rican. Yeah, which is the bigger half? Mexican. Mexican. Yeah. Do you use that in your comedy a lot? Like, do, do you like? No, not like, really. Do you, do you even want people to, to know you as a Latino comedian or Mexican comic? No, I just or... want to be a comic that happens to be Latino. <laughs> like, you know what okay. I mean? Because, I mean, I don't... I didn't grow up very uh, Mexican. Like, I'm, like, very whitewashed. Because, I first of all, I don't speak Spanish at all. So mm-hmm. I don't... I can't listen really... I can't really listen to the music because I don't understand it. Okay. And uh, I, I grew up, like... I don't know. It just didn't... Because I know a lot of Mexicans... I'm more Chicano than Mexican, you know what I mean? Well, I'm Chicano too, and for me that's a challenge. Like, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, with the with the Mexican jokes or... Yeah, like all the most Mexican stuff I talk about is like with my dad, because my dad is like an old school cholo guy. Yeah. And so I'll imitate that. Like, I feel like I know enough about that to talk about it. But I can't really talk about other stuff because I don't know enough. I don't really talk... I don't want to talk about something I have no idea about you know if i don't have a perspective on something right then I which wanna... i feel is a universal rule like not just writing and, and film writing or any kind of writing is no write what you know yeah and sometimes things are mexican that i didn't realize were mexican i thought they were just an everyday thing like what oh, i can't remember it's a good example like uh just the way certain people act like a certain perspective on life like i've I thought it was just like a universal thing, but it's like, oh no, that's like like a very Mexican thing to think. <laughs> what? Like what? That. I'm more curious now. I don't know. Now I don't. I don't. Uh, 
Like, like a lot of it has to do with Catholicism too. Like I didn't. You thought everybody was Catholic. I didn't know the difference between like being Catholic and being just Christian or just being a uh, method or Protestant or whatever. I was like, they all isn't it all the same God? Like isn't it all? It is God the same and God. It's like well, isn't it the same book? You know what I mean? Like what are you? <laughs> what's the difference? I thought everybody, but I didn't know the different customs and you right. Know, it was, I was ignorant to all that stuff. And it's funny, you related to Mex- being Mexican. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like Mexicans and Irish people have a lot in common. And oh, yeah, dude. And I have a Definitely. lot of Irish people in my Both family. Both heavy drinkers. Yeah, I have a lot of Irish people in my family. Like, they, we marry into each other quite a bit. My family is like the United Nations. We have, like, everybody in our family. We have Irish people, Italian are you, are, people. Are you guys also, like, uh, United Nations? Are you guys also, like, having, like, those conflicts, too? Like No. Well, we don't have any Middle Eastern people. In <laughs> <laughs> All right, Victor Cruz Perez. We hit, we hit that hour mark. Sweet. Thank you for coming. All Thank right. you. Sorry for the embarrassment of my dad coming in. It's fine. Uh, my dad would have done the same thing. But definitely, dude. Uh, people, you got you got to know Victor Cruz Perez. Check him out on Facebook, Twitter, um, Square Bear Productions. Check it out at the Sounds of the Improv. And uh, yeah, you want to? Thanks for having me, man. Anything it's to fun. the internet world? I don't know. Um, Which is like five people. I think I only have like five <laughs> listeners right now. Well, thank you for the burrito. It was a very good burrito. A uh, burrito. It was a school burrito. <laughs> my mom. Bur- my mom works for the school district. Oh, really? On the food service. Dude, I and used to love the pizza in. <gasps> yes. Yeah, the pizza was hella good. Dude, I, I feel like I was the only guy in high school that really liked. Everybody shits on school. Food. Yeah. yeah. Cafeteria, but I love yeah. cafeteria food. Yeah. It, well, the thing is, it is shitty food if you compare it to the real thing, but it's still food I like though. Like, yeah, I'm like, you know whatever. What the corn dogs and the tater tots. Yeah, all that I was digging shit. it. I was digging it all. Chocolate milk. And I was like, oh, why do... Anyway. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll have a good one. All right. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Before you stop. Is this still recording? Yes. Right. Just so you guys know, this is my first podcast. So, oh. just, just so you just know that. This is my first one. Which he's most likely not going to listen to because he said... Now, I'll listen he, to it. He told me that he does not listen to his friend's podcast. For, he, you only have one and I listen to some of it. Okay. All right? I'm the second guest. <laughs> That's fair. All right.